Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 407 on a Wednesday. A no longer clean shaven zinger in full effect for this one. The, the mustache combo. Is it, coming, is it coming back a bit? You got a little coming back there. Ah, I'm getting big. I'm getting old. Clayton Croker, what's your facial hair situation? Bushy mustache still, or what's happening up there? You know Yukon Cornelius from the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movies, like yes. the original? That's what I look like. If you're ever uh. wondering, what does this Clayton guy look like? Yukon Cornelius, <laughs> but the human version. Gold and silver, silver and gold. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Clayton Croker with us on a Wednesday. The text line is open at 306-936-6262. It's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. Saskatchewan's number one dealership. We have rider news and surprise rider news to talk about. Jordan Williams-Lambert back in the Canadian Football League as well. Update on the coming Briar. Two Saskatchewan rinks are in. We'll talk about uh, Team Dunstone and Team Flash and where they will end up. And the biggest hockey game every four years, Clayton Croker, happens tonight. Canada and the U.S. battling for gold. Going to be a tired one tomorrow. Uh, that's way past my bedtime. It's one of those, like, i got to wake up at 3.30 in the morning, right? So I'm contemplating just staying up, or do I fit, like, a like two two-hour naps in there? I don't know Ooh. what my sleep strategy is going to be, but you're not missing this game. Like, that's, that's the only thing I know, not missing this game, because... Oh, like the chirps back and forth on Twitter, too. Like the Americans are saying every time we want to go out there, we want to make sure that they don't deserve to be on the same ice as us. And it's like, man, this has been the closest rivalry ever. What are you guys talking about? Of course you belong on the same ice. It's it's going to be fun to watch. Natalie Spooner of the Canadian team. Every time we go out against them, we want to make a statement and show them they don't belong on the ice with us, quote, unquote. Yeah, it's I, I get you want to show them that, but it's very clear because who is in the 2018 gold medal game, the U.S. and Canada. 2014, Canada and the U.S. Uh, 2010, Zinger. You remember who was in that one? Oh, Canada and the U.S. Exactly. Oh six, Canada over Sweden in the one change, but it's always other than 06, Canada and the U.S. It will play out tonight. Our own Emily Clark will be front and center for that one. In the end, as I, as I was going through this, Clayton, uh, just looking at what's happened in the tournament thus far and what happens in these big-time games, Marie-Philippe Poulin is going to score a goal in this one, just guaranteed. Uh, 2018, they get silver medal. Poulin with one goal in the championship game. Uh, 2-2, it went to overtime and then a shootout. Poulin, two goals in a 3-2 overtime win in 2014. Two goals when they won 2-0 in 2010. We are in the presence of absolute greatness once again from the Canadian women's hockey team. The second coming of Haley Wickenheiser. That's what we call her. Like she's just kind of she's kind of the next goat in uh, Canadian women's hockey. And I'm excited to watch Emily Clark as well. Just from Saskatoon, great family, grew up with them, played hockey with her brothers. And uh, oh, it's going to be so cool seeing her in a gold medal game. Hopefully she buries one too. That'd be awesome yes. because... Oh man, when the Saskatchewan when the Saskatchewan players score, whole place just seems to go a little bit more, a little bit more crazy, right? Uh, you you also for folks who weren't with us a couple weeks ago, you actually played some hockey against Emily Clark one time. 
Well, I played with her brother. Her brother and I are the same age, yeah. and she would come out to like the the Sunday family practices because like once every couple weeks you have the the moms and dads out there shooting around having a nice little scrimmage. She would come out with us, and she was like, I want to say six, seven years younger, and yeah, she was scoring hat tricks. She was making us look stupid. It was <laughs> like she was seven years old at the time, six, seven years old, and we we're like, man, like. She might go to the Olympics. At the time, we were saying it totally like, yeah, okay, and Grizzly Adams has a beard, right? Yeah. But Happy Gilmore, mark it, it down. It's like, no, hey, we called it. We called it. Want to take credit for that. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So 10-10 start tonight. Clayton is in that awful zone, and you may well know exactly what he's talking about. It's a late-night event, but you got to wake up super early in the morning. Uh, shoot me your recommendations for Clayton. Do you nap leading up to the game? Do you just power through tomorrow at work without having slept? Do you sleep till midnight, then watch the game, then go to work on a little tape delay? You got a lot of options to. Uh, it, that's the that's the hardest part with with the morning show, right? In in every format is there's so there are important things that you know are going to be a big deal tomorrow, but they just happen way too late. Enough about me, DT. Let's talk about the Oilers. Let's talk about the Flames. Let's talk about the Riders. Let's go. All right. How about the Riders? And this one catching ah, just about everybody off guard. Terrell Jana, the Riders receiver, taken 17th overall in the 2021 draft. Uh, according to Farhan Logic, going to retire. And if you go to Terrell Jana's Instagram page, it says retired CFLer. Jana uh, done after one year. He was the first receiver taken in the 2021 draft, and I think as Ryder Nation, we kind of went, "Oh, that's that's a fantastic catch." Mm-hmm. How did they? How did he fall to 17th overall? What a steal! Got into two games this season, one reception for seven yards. Uh, shocking, Clayton. I not even diving into what's in, what's behind it, but just just shocking to see a young guy go. Ah, you know what? I'm out. It's shocking, but at the same time, I've heard nothing but good things about this kid and that he's he's pretty brilliant. He could do pretty much anything he wants to outside of football, and maybe he just got a taste of what the CFL is like and thought, you know what, not for me. Thought it was going to be a bit different. I'm out of here, and that's fine. He's going to go yeah. on do great things. Uh, with all the depth that the Riders had, I almost kind of forgot about him. Uh, like with Key and Schaefer Baker emerging, right, as kind mm-hmm. of the new Canadian guy, Terrell Jenna, it was kind of like – no, he's he's kind of gotten forgotten a little bit. I mean, only one catch, that's about it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a tough spot to be in, and that's why I give so much credit to the young guys who slug through being on practice roster cuz practice roster is not a lot of money, right? And you are so close to this thing you want to do yet you don't really get to do it. You get to practice and you get to hang around with the guys, but come game time, uh, it's not you. That's got to be incredibly hard and then you try to forecast well where where's my where's my future lie and honestly there's probably there's probably some places for Jana this season uh Braden Lenny has gone to the NFL Kian Schaefer Baker is going to be the starting wide receiver uh, at the uh, at that spot Jana may have gotten in uh, and then again Jana may have gotten in some some roles but you you need to at at that age and at this level you need to be able to contribute on special teams and what they have the riders is Jake Hardy who is a special teams demon Mitch Picton who who contributes in that respect uh Jana would be looking at him and Justin McInnes and going is it going to be me do I really want to go through this again and it sounds like he's decided that you know what there's there's other things I can do 
It is a grind, man. Like being a right? being a third stringer in the CFL when you're making what 65, 70 grand a year, like that's a grind. It's tough being a professional athlete. When you're an NFLer, you're making bank. Yeah, it's awesome, of course. But I mean, CFLers when they're third strings doing that, it's uh, I've heard from some guys, it's tough, man, when you're when you're on special teams all the time and then you're not really getting the ball a lot in the games and the practices, you're not getting the reps. That's yeah. tough because in high school and college, you were the guy, right? You were the featured guy and you go to being nothing, right? And that's not for a lot of people. That's not for a lot of guys. And, hey, at least you give it a shot, right? One year and yeah. that's not for you. At least he's stopped now and realized it instead of playing four years and realized it. Oh man, I'm miserable. It sucks. So leaving again. At least we got depth, right? Tons of depth at the receiver position for us. At least when it comes to Canadians. Yeah, I I just had to pull it up under the last CBA, and of course this will get renegotiated. Practice roster paid seven hundred fifty dollars a week. That's I get it. I get it, and that's why I end up with a ton of respect for. Uh, obviously, I, I have a ton of respect for Terrell Janna. The two times I think Zinger, we talked to him here on the show, I left those conversations going, "Ooh, this guy's fascinating." Hmm. He he went to Virginia during Charlottesville. He talked about how that shaped him. I thought this guy has his head on his shoulders. He's smart, and and I, I left those conversations thinking, "Ooh, this guy could do some great things when he's done with football." And it seems like uh, that that is now. Which Clayton leads me to. I mean, we talked last season about Paul McRoberts, a whole year on practice roster, getting through on practice roster this past season for borderline no money, the stick to And it's not to say anything about Jana, but this, the stick to it takes sometimes for young guys in the CFL, uh, it's, it's impressive and it makes me celebrate when they finally do get there and do get to the big time. I love it when a guy sticks with a team for three or four years and finally kind of cracks the roster, right? At the same time, it is fun, right? It is a game. You're hanging out with the boys in the locker room all the time, right? Like, it is a fun time, that locker room atmosphere, hanging out with the guys all the time, winning football games. you got a great facility there. Like, we're talking like it's... It's hardship, right? It's we're talking like it's mowing lawns as your first job yeah. out of high school. No, it's you know it's it's still a pretty good gig. It's just uh, sometimes it's just not for everyone. Some people just don't have that killer instinct that some athletes have. Yeah, it's, and I'm not saying that Terrell Janet doesn't yeah. have that. I'm not I'm not accusing him of that. That sounded bad. He just he wanted something else. But I from from what I heard, some other guys just get there that one year. Special teams, nah, and then they're out of there, right? <laughs> yeah, it, we've all got so much more going on, right? Than than necessarily our jobs. And uh, Terrell Janet, we he uh, he will be missed. Didn't have a huge impact in year number one, but we absolutely wish him the best as he moves on. The Riders have not said anything about the move. It has not, as of yet, shown up on the transaction wire. Uh, have they posted today's moves? They have not. The CFL, uh, we'll see when it's made official. But uh, Terrell Janna retiring after one season with the Riders. Riders signing wide receiver Xavier Ubosi. You may remember that name because he signed with the Riders in December of 2019 wasn't able to attend training camp in 2021, but he's under contract now and should be at camp come May. Uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, 48 catches for 1,000 yards in his college career. Uh, turns 28 years old next week, adding to the American depth on the receiving core. It is 4:18. We'll go to break. We have some shocking and heartbreaking news for Zinger. Oh boy. It's coming up next in a cage. 421 Afternoon Rush, Wednesday update from the Beijing Olympics. Canada's Charles Amlin won 
Golden, uh, the men's 5,000 relay, tying City Clausen as Canada's most decorated winter Olympian with six medals apiece. Canada's men's hockey team, they were eliminated by Sweden, losing 2 to nothing in the quarterfinals. For the first time since 2006, Canada will not medal in men's hockey. And uh, the big one tonight, women's hockey gold medal game. Canada versus the United States bring home the gold. Emily Clark, bring it home for us. 10, 10 p.m. Saskatchewan time is the puck drop, DT. Adam Cracknell of Prince Albert and former Pat Jordan Wheel on the Canadian men's hockey team eliminated in competition, I don't know, last night, early this morning. These, yeah. these things. Two to nothing. Time zones. Yeah, that's. Slovakia beat the States, though, in right? a shootout. That was pretty cool. So Had a couple dollars on that. Oh, I like it. But yeah, America being out too. And uh, it seems Shailene Woodley is out, Zinger. Yes. Packers update <laughs> from TMZ. Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley. I do. You're good. No longer engaged and they're broken up. <laughs> I don't know if he got tired of her telling him that clay is one of the best things you could possibly eat or if she got tired of him parsing his language well i'm i'm inoculated I'm, but i'm not vaccinated but if, if he's like that with everything well it's not mayonnaise it's more a it's more a white <laughs> eggy spread i don't know if, if that was the thing that did it but they are done they're done what i read was quite possibly rogers was quote-unquote neglecting shailene woodley throughout the season he was too busy for her Oh, man, I feel like I'm on a <laughs> Entertainment Tonight or something. Uh, what else did I you read? Just, you look uh, at he, Rogers. That, he, that seems like him. He got uh, cold feet about getting married is the other thing I read. He, like, he was kind of unsure about it. After... Didn't they get engaged after like seven months? Yeah. And that's supposed two years ago or a year and a half ago? And yeah. quite possibly, maybe two, maybe Shaylin Woodley doesn't like the idea of quite possibly Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay for another year because, you know, we're talking about a Hollywood actress. She lives yep. She lives in Denver. She does, you know. So there's a lot of factors that go on. But I like I like a single Aaron Rodgers, and that sounds weird, but I, I like when he's single, and I like when he's just all in for ball, I guess. It seems like all of his girlfriends and stuff are always, Listen. you know, Olivia Munn. Uh, Danica Patrick was okay, but... He runs in, in, in famous circles. Yeah. That's that's his lot in life. Anyway. Uh, there were Clayton, you heard it. What there a too. breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> what a breakdown. There there were a couple ways I had to restrain myself from from punning something that Zinger had said there. I just I had to pull myself back. So you on radio, you know, you know, it, it can be hard sometimes. Just keep let Zinger keep going for a while here. Like let's go back to Aaron Rodgers' youth and analyze him some more. Yeah, exactly. Well, you see, Pleasant Pleasant Valley High School. He was uh, uh... la 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 la. We need to talk about Jacques Ischel, who went from the outhouse to the penthouse, officially taken off long-term injured reserve today. He will make his Vegas debut. Clayton, can you imagine? Hey, uh, you work in Buffalo, and then all of a sudden they send you to the new office in Las Vegas. That's a real trade-up right there. My heart just skipped a beat because I'm like, who is this guy? He's not in the show notes. Who's Jacques? What? <laughs> oh, it's Jack Eichel. Yeah. He got me. There you go. <laughs> he got me. I was like, who is this guy? I, have no I was like, oh, I totally just second-guessed my entire sports knowledge there. Yeah, I can't wait to see Jack Eichel. This is I think a lot of people kind of forgot just how electrifying and good this guy is. And if he's healthy and with this team and with a line that he's going to be on, I cannot wait to see Jacques. How would you say his last name? Jacques Ischel. Jacques Ischel. I, 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 can't, no I can't wait to see him. Like Vegas is good enough already, right? 
uh, add in Jack Eichel, them yeah. in Colorado. If that ends up being the conference finals, uh, that's going to be oh, that's going to be fun to watch McKinnon versus Eichel. Well, they're going to have to, and Vegas will have to. Well, one of them is going to have to get past your Calgary Flames, though, who are mm-hmm. now tops in the Pacific Division with two games in hand on those Vegas Golden Knights. With the best goalie, right? And I'm saying that as Darcy Kemper is my guy. He grew up two blocks away from me. Grew up right beside Emily Clark and Darcy Kemper, and their talent did not rub off on me at all. Like, like two blocks in either direction, two awesome hockey players, nothing. But I would say that, like, having Jacob Markstrom, that's the big thing for the Flames. Having that goaltender and having having the three lines that they have. Yeah, okay, some questions on the back end, but... Oh, the Flames. Could talk about them all day. You got to stop. I'm like I'm like Zinger with Aaron Rodgers when it comes to the Flames. I can go all day. Yeah. <laughs> now, Zinger, do you see any patterns emerging in Aaron Rodgers' relationships? Well, you see. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the three that we've named all had dark hair. I wonder if that's a thing. I don't know if that's if that's a thing that calls back. If it's an Oedipus thing for him, maybe. Who knows? Um, hates his parents. Hates know that. it. That's true. It can't be hates an Oedipus thing. Parents. He hates his whole. He hates his whole family. Right. Hates them all. What? Great it, guy though. Great guy. I yeah. think. Well, I I think if you want to dive into it a bit, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, like touchy subjects with like religion and stuff like his family's really religious and i don't ah. and, and i think aaron is kind of like steering away from that in a way and uh, and i think in a way his family kind of neglected him for it and maybe a little bit of neglection both ways and well, then, and then plus, talking about this. And, and, <laughs> at least at least i respect them for holding on strongly enough to what they believe that they're not leeching off their nine-figure son right there if you if you disown him like, well, at least you're not leeching off him like some parents. Oh, uh, hey, I'm back. I'm back. That's true. I'm back in your life. And like Jordan, his brother, him calling him out on whatever show that was, The Bachelor or whatever, saying how right. Aaron was like not a like a good brother. That probably didn't yeah. help the relationship a bit, but I can't believe we're, this is awesome. MVP <laughs> uh, headed for, I don't know, Denver, San Francisco. Nah, he's staying in Green Bay. Staying in Green Bay, says Zinger as we get the in-depth analysis of all things NFL and relationships therein. Give me a call. Give me a call if you need some help with the relationship advice, you know. Clayton, if your wife said, hey, uh, you need to eat more clay, (laughs) what would your reaction be? I would say yes. Can I have another? Come on, wow. move, man. That's, that's uh, I'm a I'm a better. good husband, man. I'm 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 a really good husband. I don't know if I'm a good husband. I'm an obedient husband, which I think in turn is a good husband. So, <laughs> eat this clay. Four twenty-seven. TSN's football expert Farhan Lalji joins us next in the cage. Alan Mitchell at five oh five. We'll do plenty more hockey with him. The Oilers have won three straight games since they fired their coach. What changes has he seen that of paying dividends? And uh, can the Oilers get themselves firmly or keep themselves firmly in this race for one of the playoff spots in the Western Conference? All coming up on The Cage. Four thirty on a Wednesday. All the guests of the Sports Cage appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials wednesday it's our time for tsn's farhan lalji who we caught up with a little bit earlier tsn football expert farhan lalji with us on the western pizza hotline uh how was that super bowl for you well it was different for me because i actually didn't go i didn't stay i told you last week that i had covid so then at the end of the week you know our like our company was 
little nervous about me that close to having COVID dealing with our staff, which I totally understand, um, even though I didn't have symptoms at that point. And I just thought, you know, if I, if I can't do that and get to the game, I think I'm going to come home. So mm. I came home on Saturday and watched the game with my son on Sunday, which I rarely, you know, I don't get a chance to do because I'm always at the game. So uh, I enjoyed watching that with him a little bit. But you'll, you'll be annoyed and amused by this. I played Tony Romo, like, basically for the fourth quarter, where I was calling out plays, <laughs> including the Cooper Cup jet sweep on fourth down. No and I way. Said, they should run. And I, I'm telling you, it was fourth down, and I said they should run jet sweep here. And they ran jet sweep, and he looked at me and said, it just, like, started shaking his head. Well, because so, they couldn't <laughs> so run the ball. You know, it's funny because his, team, his teammates generally appreciate um, my, you know, my football background as a coach and stuff. I, like, he totally takes all of it for granted and just – like whatever you're just dad and you're an idiot you don't know anything so he's just uh, shaking his head at me well when they they carried the ball from the running back 19 times for 30 yards giving it to literally anybody else was the play so that's that's smart of you to have seen well, that. Was, that, was, that was part of my thinking right yeah. like I, I you know i i didn't trust the running back in that situation you could you could have probably got a sneak it's a little different there than down at the goal line but just the way they were playing i thought boy if they just hit the edge quick i like their chances but uh you know they don't often listen to me. They should. They should. There's proof in it right there. Uh, all right. You had a, a report a little earlier today. Uh, Terrell Janna, the Riders' second-round draft pick from 2021, is retiring after one season. I, I know he's a BC kid, so you probably have, have known of him for quite some time, but I, I think this move catches all of Rider Nation off guard. Yeah, you know, I'd be curious to, to ask uh, people in the building how much it uh, catches them off guard because I'm not sure it necessarily did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that because, um, you know, I, I think there was kind of a feeling that he wasn't fully invested um, early last year, right? I mean, you know, you come into camp and everything's exciting and, you know, you're excited to be a pro and then and then you kind of get into the grind of being a pro athlete. And, um, you know, my understanding is that, you know, just kind of from very early in the process when it was clear that he was going to be a PR guy for most of the year, you know, I, I think there was just wasn't as into it. I just don't think his heart was into it. I'm not trying to be overly critical um, of Terrell because I think he's an extremely smart guy that's got a lot of things that he could do really well. And, you know, if you follow his story a little bit at the University of Virginia, I think he became, you know, very, very active and aware of things that were going on there on the social justice front and in a number of areas. He took a real leadership role. And I think it was just such an incredible experience for him that I'm just not sure being on a CFL PR necessarily match that right and um you know you just at various times in your life you decide what's the best part about all of this for me right and i think at the uva um part of his life i I just think that complete experience on and off the field mattered a lot and i just don't think it could necessarily be replicated um you know in in the cfl and you know certainly we know the money isn't crazy when when Mm -hmm. you're a you know when you're a rookie player so I, i just think he decided that my passion's not here and i want to do other things yeah, if you were making seven hundred fifty k or one point five million something, maybe maybe things change. But practice roster money in the CFL is is what it is. I've I interviewed Terrell twice, right? It was such a bizarre season. We didn't get to see the guys in person, but we had him on the cage once, and we talked to him another time. And I was just I, I just took away from it like he's a young guy, relatively you know to folks like me and Zinger here, but. He really had his head on on straight, and he really mm-hmm. he really got that the world could could use some people 
uh, to help make it better. That's uh, maybe corny that I say that, but I, I see him and I go, this guy's going to do something very important in his life beyond the fact that he's a terrific football player. I totally agree, right? And, and I think that perspective is something you go through when you get to a certain point. That happens in college, and some guys that go to college, it's, it's all about football. And other guys just kind of take the whole thing in. And when you're from British Columbia and you wind up making your way to a culturally completely different stratosphere mm. in Virginia, and you go through that experience and, and what it was like, and he was there, you know, when the Charlottesville uh, stuff happened, right? And, yep. and um, you know, just the the just the, the rallies and the race issues and, you know, the Trump effect and all of that. And he lived it firsthand right where it was happening, right? So you have to think that was a, a, a thing that affected him. And, you know, and again, like, I, you know, when I talked to him last year when I was in Sask for a game, um, you know, I, I just kind of got that vibe that he, you know, liked it, didn't love it, and, you know, that there, there might be something more in store. You know, am I surprised it didn't take another year to, to really make sure and see if he could maximize himself as a football player after having gone through the professional thing for a year and, knowing what to expect. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but the fact that Terrell Janna doesn't have a eight or 10 year CFL career doesn't shock me at all. And if you mm. tell me he's going to be a premier or prime minister or politician <laughs> at some point, that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. Entrepreneur, whatever, it, whatever it might be. I, it always catches me off guard because uh, when I was a kid, there was nothing more I wanted to be than a professional athlete. And maybe I was never shied away from that because I never really put in all the work that it would take to be a professional athlete. Maybe I wasn't scared off by that, but uh, it always, to that end, it always kind of fascinates me that the, the guys and gals that are professional athletes aren't necessarily in love with their sport over everything else on planet Earth. It, it always kind of catches me, but you run into those, right? When you, when you cover athletes, you go, uh, this guy just happens to be great at football, for example. When I think of people I've run into, eh, they don't really love it, but that's how they do their competitive thing. And I, I always find that neat, and it still, to this day, catches me off guard because I wish so much I had you know, been Mike, one of them. Yeah, you know, Mike Gundy, the coach at Oklahoma State, who coached uh, Cuba Hubbard, named Ogbong Bamiga, uh, a few years ago, he, he was quoted as saying something to the effect of, you know, on every roster, you've got, you know, maybe 10 or 12 players who absolutely love it and would do it without a scholarship and do it every day they could, even if there was no pro football at the end of it, you know, and then you've got, mm. um, you, you, then you've got like 70 guys on your roster who like it and, uh, you know, the, the NFL and the draft and all those are, are motivations for them and the scholarships motivation for them. And then you've got like, 15 guys at the bottom of your roster who don't even like it. They just happen to be good at it, right? Yeah. And it's, it's important kind of to find out where that is because when you're going through high school, everybody wants that scholarship, right? And, I, and I, to be honest, like I see it a lot because I see kids come in at the ninth grade and they just wanted that scholarship and that was their motivation in our program. And then they get to grade 12 and they think, you know what, like I'm good ending it here. Right, I enjoyed it, and I'm good moving on. And then some guys get to college, and then they go through that process in college where you, you know, you do so many extra things in university, and then you you think about the draft, and then you get to the end, and you're like, you know what, I'm good. Like this was awesome for me, and I'm I'm ready to move on. And I always respect all of those kids to to grow and to learn about themselves and to just find what's important to them. And it happens at different stages for all of us. Fortunately for you and I, we never grew up and got to stay in sports. Exactly. That was that was my realization at 14. If there's somebody in my town of 5,000 who's better than me at sports, I'm not going pro. It's <laughs> the way it is. He's Farhan Lalji at TSN with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, let's talk about the uh, NFL. And the Super Bowl is come and gone, and the Rams are champions. And the conversation 
I don't know if it ramped up on Sunday, but over the weekend, and it's still to some degree we're waiting to see, there were rumors that Aaron Donald, this might be his last game, and that Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, and I believe the youngest coach to ever win the Super Bowl, they both might retire. Uh, do you put stock in both of those, or where are you on those? I don't put stock in either one of them, and I, and I didn't, right? Like, I know that in McVay's case, uh, he's getting married this summer, wants to have a family, you know, and there's some talk that he would transition into broadcasting. Um, you know what? When you, when you have a kid, okay, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm with you, right? That maybe those, those thoughts really enter your mind. And I'm not saying the thoughts haven't entered your mind but right now, but you, you take it more seriously at that moment. And if Sean McVay at 40 has his first child and decides he wants to spend more time doing that and raising a family and TV allows him to still stay in football but not be immersed in it to the same level, I buy it. I just don't think that's going to happen today when he hasn't had that kid yet, right? And and now you're craving the work-life balance. You, you know, you've got a wife. Your wife's going to be supportive. It's different. Once you have a kid, it, the math changes. So I'm not saying he's going to be uh, coaching till he's Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll's age. But mm. when he has the kid, I might take it more seriously. In Aaron Donald's case, eight years in, there's no way. And, you know, and today the stories have come out that, now he wants to be the highest-paid defensive player in football, right? And in terms of the true cash value of his contract, which is just over $14 million this year, um, which is not necessarily a reflection of the actual value of his contract, right, because things get spread out to be more cap-friendly in certain years, um, you know, now it becomes money that could potentially lure him back in. And then at the parade, Sean McVay says, let's run it back. And Aaron Donald says, why wouldn't you run it back? And like, yeah. both coming back, right? Like, it's so... All the rest of it is just theater. We don't have enough to talk about during Super Bowl week because the injury news has played itself out. And we've talked to Tom Brady and, and, Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers. We're done. So these stories do take on a life of their own. And, and um, yeah, I wasn't buying either one of them. Yeah, I, I really didn't buy the McVay one, and I just was looking it up now. Uh, he's 36. When John, John Gruden left coaching quite early to become a broadcaster, Gruden was 10 years older. At that time, like 36 yeah. is for most guys, not even having gotten started really in their head coaching career. So I, I just, both these seem like negotiation ploys. And then ultimately I would have been so sad to see a guy like Aaron Donald gone because we've been through this with Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders in my lifetime. And there's yeah. certainly more, but the, I, I just selfishly, I need more of Aaron Donald just changing our perception of, of what defensive interior players can be. No question. You know, like he is one of a kind, and I think now that he's won a Super Bowl and, you know, could have made a case for MVP, and you know how big I am at Cooper Cup, but mm. I wouldn't have argued with Aaron Donald as MVP. Um, you know, like he has to be in the discussion for greatest defensive player ever. Like you have to put him in the Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White discussion. You know, like I, I don't know how you avoid that, right? And um, to do it at his size in a such different way than other interior defensive players, right? I mean, he, he's basically an end to playing inside, and it's all quick twitch and hand fighting, and just he just does it differently. doesn't do it with brute strength, just does it with crazy quickness, and gives probably a lot of hope to young, undersized players that want to play that position, right? So, um, and, and the way he took over the last two games in the fourth quarter and on the final two drives of those games was just incredible, right? So, yeah. um, you know, and, and you wonder that if, you wonder when the MVP votes went in, because they usually don't go in right at the final gun, right? Like, they usually go in a little bit earlier. Yeah. So imagine if they had waited until that final series, then does he get it, not Cooper Cup? 
Very well could have because he he absolutely wrecked those final two plays and ended the Bengals' hopes of any kind of comeback. Farhan Lodge with us on the cage. Uh, just quickly, the the team, the NFL team that will make the biggest fall next season. They were good this season. They'll fall next season. Who is it, and why is it the Buffalo Bills? It won't be the Buffalo Bills. Oh, Brian um, Dable's that... gone though. Anyway, who do you yeah, got? Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I know, and I, and I get that. And he's certainly a guy that's been able to completely maximize um, everything Josh Allen's been able to do. Yeah. Honestly, could be the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, if you ask me to bet right now, they're not, getting to the, they're not getting to the AFC Championship game. And I don't think they're – look, I, I like Joe Burrow, and I like the offensive pieces they've got. But, you know, this was a mediocre team for a lot of the football season, right? They were, they were back and forth like everybody else in the AFC North. Um, you know, they've got things to fix. They've got to fix that offensive line. They've got to fix the defensive secondary. Uh, they could probably get better on the defensive line as well. Um, you know, I, I think they're a team that went on a run versus a team that's just awesome, and we think they're going to be here forever. You know, plus it's a murder's row in the AFC with the oh, yeah. quarterbacks that are there. You know, with, with Mahomes and, and Allen and, and uh, Jackson and Herbert, right? Like, and, and Joe Burrow belongs in that discussion, no doubt about it, but... It is tough, and if you tell me right now, they're not getting to the AFC Championship game next year. Well, I, think, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff and miss the playoffs. I just, you know, I think if you expect their project, their progression to be linear, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think, I think it, perception will be the thing, right? If you don't perceive them as Super Bowl champions, and you perceive they were the fourth team in the AFC, I think okay, now we have something to to work from. But yeah, fix the offensive line find a place to send Eli Apple to like, just get rid of that cat and, uh, and, and, and work out. Their receiving options are fantastic. Burrow, uh, if he comes away from whatever that knee wrenching was good, good. That's great. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're by no means a perfect team. And like you say, Herbert and Mahomes and Lamar and on What if Tua became an actual quarterback? The AFC could be just a disaster. Oh, I already mentioned Josh Allen. My goodness. But I, Allen's the one I'll keep my eye on when he loses his offensive coordinator because that can be a real adjustment uh, for a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because when you look at, you know, Allen did something that is very rare. He hmm. became more efficient and more consistent, and his completion percentages got better when he got to the pros. Right? Like that generally doesn't happen. You know, what you are in college in terms of those traits, right, like efficiency, you know, because so much of that is mindset. Some of that is system, yeah. but a lot of it is mindset. And, you know, for, for Dable to have gotten that level of improvement out of him in those areas, and I, and I think it's real, I think it's sustainable, um, you know, I, it, it's a fair question, right, because he, he's done something not many people do at this level. And he really has. His last two years have been absolutely fantastic. Farhan, thank you, brother. Take care, my friend. TSN football expert Farhan Lalji on the Western Pizza Hotline. Clayton Croker, the NFL team that will take the biggest fall next season is? Um, Baltimore. I'm going to say Ooh. Baltimore. I, I think Baltimore wins like four, maybe five games next year. I know they weren't good this season, this past season rather, but I think they just, I don't know, I got a bad feeling. Just the way that that team is built, I don't think they're going to uh, – I don't think they're going to do great things in the future. Oh, intriguing. They had a real rough, they went 8-9, and nine, they, and they had a real rough finish to the season. Zinger, the NFL team that will take the biggest fall next year. Are you trying to get me to say the Green Bay Packers? I, Aaron, I am not leading you to anything. Okay. But that is, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, that is a viable answer. Yeah, that, that might be the one if Rodgers isn't back, and it pains me to say it, but 
you know, I don't think we're going to win much with Dr. Love at quarterback. Dr. Love! <laughs> I'm... I don't know that I believe the Bills are going to take the biggest fall. They were 11-6 and six this season and obviously uh, played an unbelievable playoff game. If they're in the Super Bowl, they win that game by about 15 points. But I'm just – I get concerned, Clayton, when, when a guy like Josh Allen just changes his entire fortune after year two into year three and four, and then he loses his offensive coordinator, it makes me a little nervous. I know, but football is a team game, right? Quarterback is the most important position, but it still is a team game. And Buffalo's a good team. They're built really well. True. Offensive line solid. Defense is good. I, li- I like the way Buffalo is built. Their home field advantage is also great. Uh, don't sleep on Buffalo. I know Josh Allen might slip a bit, but the team won't. Yeah, if he slips a bunch, though. If an if a, if a, if a offensive coordinator comes in, and I haven't seen who they've hired, and doesn't know how to handle Allen... Like that guy has, that guy has everything, right? He has designed run, scramble run, a laser rocket arm. He he's curbed his desire to throw the ball into very rough spaces and to make ridiculous left-handed plays when he's getting sacked. He's curbed that, but uh, you, I, I'm I I need the right coach. I need the right coach for. for that's got to be their priority. Who can get them? Who can keep this coming from Josh Allen? Because it's been fantastic for two seasons now. I don't know the offensive coordinator market well enough. I like McDermott, though. I like what they have in place there in Buffalo. They just, you know, Josh Allen has to play really, really well. Like, they do need elite quarterback-level play to be successful. But, yeah. I mean, Josh Allen doesn't have to be doing Patrick Mahomes stuff out there. I mean, he's he, he can just be okay, and they'll be they'll be just fine. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good for Buffalo right now. I'm curious. Who do you think takes the biggest fall in the NFL next season? We'll talk more about this with Ian McMillan at 5.30 when we look at the odds for next year's Super Bowl. But what NFL team going to take the biggest drop? The text line, 306-936-6262. This segment of the show brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Four fifty-two with the sports ticker. While he still remains on the Riders roster formally, it, it appears as though receiver Terrell Jana has decided to retire. That from TSN football expert Farhan Lauji. Jana was the top receiver selected in the 2021 CFL draft. The Riders did add a receiver to the roster on Wednesday, signing six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound Xavier Ubosi. Ubosi was originally signed by the Riders back in 2019, but he was unable to attend training camp in 2021 so it's good to have him back here in Ryderville and JWL has landed in Calgary former Riders receiver Jordan Williams Lambert has signed with the Stampeders JWL had 14 catches for 152 yards in 2021 before his season was cut short due to injury and Jack Eichel he makes his Golden Knights debut tonight versus the Colorado Avalanche Eichel's first game action since March 7th of last year Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Say it with me. Had he, had he been drafted by the Habs, Jacques Ischel. Jacques Ischel. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ischel, somewhere in there. It yeah, I like been, that. I like that. Would have been terrific. Uh, we talked about Canada and the U.S. in women's hockey for the gold medal, that a 10 o'clock start. Uh, Clayton, I was just thinking about this. You kind of have to just power straight through because on the back end of that, is Canada's Jennifer Jones fighting for her playoff life in curling her final match against two and six Denmark just after midnight. So 
I mean, you got to roll with this. You're up all night, buddy. I have a weird feeling this Canada-USA game is going to overtime, too. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to be up late at night. I hope it does. We really need, like, a Canadian moment right now, right? We really need something lighthearted. Like, if this could be a triple overtime, everyone's up till 3.30, 4 o'clock, and we all celebrate, and for an hour we just take a break hating everything and just a uh, triple OT win. That That's what this country needs right now a triple overtime win against the usa that would that would help a lot of things right now dt and i'm I'm hoping it happens uh 2018 the u.s won in a shootout 2014 canada won in overtime so zinger there is the potential for extra time when canada and the u.s go at it how about a game-winning goal by emily clark with you know five seconds left in the second third ot you know wouldn't that be just be a perfect perfect ending what about i'll 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 take this a little higher okay what about i don't know how i don't know how they end up on the ice at the same time uh but emily clark behind the goal she takes the puck lacrosse style flips it up and there's poolan to bat it in wow clayton can you one-up <laughs> that one with how this game could finish <laughs> a goalie assist before that oh my goodness there we go yeah you got to throw in a goalie assist give the goalie some love but the curling's also interesting too like jennifer jones really uh, she really pooched it earlier today. Like, if she would have won that game, she probably would have clinched her way to the playoffs. But now it's uh, – I don't even know what needs to all happen for her to make it, but I know yeah. it's a little on the complicated side. Yeah, so Jones now 4-4. Four and four. They started 1-3 and three and have bounced back from that. They're tied with Great Britain and South Korea at 4-4. Four and four. The, the final draw for them is just after midnight. Canada against Denmark. Denmark is, is on the outside looking in. Korea takes on Sweden, and Sweden is, is kicking butt, so Korea's in trouble there. And Great Britain takes on Russia. Russia is no, no threat, so Great Britain should, should get through. It's not quite when and Canada gets in at 5-4 and four because apparently they finished uh, last in the closest to the pin that will factor in as one of the tiebreakers. It's a whole thing with curling, but they do need to beat Denmark to start with and then have not too many results, but just a few results go their way and they will be just fine. Brad Gushu on the men's side, they are in. They have to take Grand Great Britain in the 7 p.m. draw tonight, but Gushu's rink is in. I don't know. At this moment, is Jennifer Jones the skip for Manitoba and Gurr or the skip for Canada and yay? Oh, definitely team skip for Canada. Okay. Anytime anyone's at the Olympics, you put away you put away the provincial rivalries and you're like, no, it's just Canada right now. I hope Brad Gushu can turn it on in the uh in the semifinals and the playoffs here because he's been kind of inconsistent as well. It's been uh it's been a little bit of an iffy Olympics for Team Canada. Started off iffy with the uh, mixed doubles, Jennifer Jones in some trouble. Uh, we need you, Gushu. We need you, bud. Yeah, Gushu at five and three, uh, taking on Great Britain. Is Great Britain Bruce Moet? Because that is the. I mean, he is uh, of the young stars on the World Curling Tour. Bruce Bruce Moat is is the one to watch. Uh, women clicking through. Somebody help me. There we go. I clicked on it. Maybe it'll work. Why do I think he's from Scotland? I think I don't think I'm thinking of the right person. Moat is from Scotland, but I representing Great Britain at the oh, Olympics. He I also see. sounds like he's a 75 year old guy. You don't see too many like 22 year olds <laughs> named Bruce anymore. Exactly, but Bruce. yeah, young guy Bruce. crushing it, professional curler, <laughs> has has the freedom that a lot of the guys and a lot of the gals don't necessarily have, but certainly getting the results for Great Britain. So we'll be watching the curling. Again, hockey, a little after 10 o'clock, 
Canada wins gold. Then a little after midnight, you picture and picture this for the third period of the hockey game or just tune in a little later. Canada versus Denmark in women's curling. A, a win should get Jennifer Jones into the playoff round, though it is not 100% certain at that point. What is certain is in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk a little hockey with Alan Mitchell, Low Tide, who uh, covers the Oilers very closely through his radio show. Ian McMillan, a bet-sided. We'll talk some NFL with him, and he's got some wagers for the NHL tonight, both the Jets and Flames yes. in action tonight. 4.58, you missed any of the show? Sports Gage On Demand is for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes are available now at the Canadian Brew House. News is next on 620 CKRM. 5.07 on a Wednesday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Derek Taylor, Clayton Croker with you. About to talk some hockey with Alan Mitchell on Twitter at Low Tide of TSN 1260, where Alan, getting the new coach bump are the Oilers, hey? <laughs> you know what's funny is, is in a lot of ways, like Duncan Keith got hurt, uh, Zach Cassian got hurt, uh, there's injuries everywhere, and yet they're winning with guys who are Clearly unproven. They have, they basically have, right, play seven defensemen every night. Four of them are are lack experience a great deal, and they they run three and zero. Oh. They're they're. <laughs> I know about the the filthy Bruce bounce and all of that out in Vancouver, and the the they call it the 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 dead cat bounce or whatever when coaches are replaced. But uh, th- this is really something to watch because this team when. You know, they, they they came out of the break, they beat Washington, and then they lose two in a row. The coach gets fired, and now they won three in a row. And, and I'm, I'm watching them, and I know they're the same guys, but they don't look like the same team. What is it? You, you wrote a column for The Athletic today, and you, you said small tweaks have made major improvements. Uh, give me one of those small tweaks that you've seen, that the Oilers have seen major improvements because of. One of the things that they're doing uh, on their outlet passing, and, and Bouchard is really good at this, they're, they're, they're not making the long pass uh, as often that, that is uh, tipped into the defensive zone and then chasing the puck that way. They, they are still doing that at times, but the ratio of, of transporting or passing under control and then gaining possession in the zone and working that way is much higher. And, and the, the, the higher percentage offensive uh, push into a zone is when you have possession and you can set up. The others are, are doing better at that, except not on the power play, ironically, but they're <laughs> doing better at that. And they're making that, that low uh, percentage long pass and tip in less often. That's one small thing they're doing. Uh, they've beaten on this run the Islanders, the Sharks, and the Kings under Jay Woodcroft. Uh, what to, so it's three games in. What do we know about, about Jay Woodcroft as uh, – you know, a potential, he's the interim coach, he might be the, the, the head coach one day. What do we know from Woodcroft? What have we seen from him so far? Well, he seems as though he, he like he says things that, that he believes in, which are, you know, what I just discussed, you know, uh, having the puck a lot, having mm-hmm. possession. As a, as, a, as a coach, he doesn't speak a lot about what he does, but he, uh, Evander Kane missed a shift last night. He took two penalties, and, and uh, the next time that it was his turn in the rotation, he was replaced by Ryan McLeod. But it wasn't mentioned. He didn't talk about it after the game. So it seems like he's he's 
you know, going to run the team uh, in a way that whatever occurs is sort of internal. Maybe that doesn't last forever. That's one thing. The other thing that, that I've noticed is that he's as much as possible rolling four lines and not overplaying his, his uh, best players. It's so tempting if you're coaching the orders to run McDavid out there for 25 or 28 minutes a night. Same with Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done that. He's, he's played Nurse a couple of times over 24 minutes, but uh, with the forwards, he's been really, really careful not to overplay them. Well, and and you mentioned in your article putting uh, McDavid, Drysaitel, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins all centering their own lines allows you to to spread out those quality players, and thus, you know, again, I think I think uh, McDavid is about twenty one minutes just under that over the last yep. three games, which is better than the twenty six. I I would think. Yeah, he's got more energy at the end of the game, and the. You know, one of the things that he did, and uh, like I can't explain it. I'm not, I, you know, whatever it's occurred is is something that that's not easily explained. Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing on third line with Warren Fogle and, and uh, Derek Ryan, and it has been the the um, opinion of most people that if Nugent Hopkins was going to be on an outscoring line, he needed to have a very dynamic winger with him. And and with due respect to Fogel and Ryan, they're very good NHL players, but they're not they're not difference makers. They're not Taylor Hall or Jordan Everly or any of those guys. But in the in the three games that they played together, they have in fact outscored the opposition. They're playing very well. Great passes into the zone. Great possession numbers. Shot differential. And and it's like it's one of the and I don't know if it'll last, but right now it's one of the key differences. Uh, the three centers, as you mentioned, and then the fact that Ryan and Fogel have become the the third line wingers. It's an unlikely combination. I don't know of anybody who suggested it. This is just something they've come up with. Uh, he and uh, Coach Dave Manson since coming from Bakersfield. Alan Mitchell, the TSN 1260 was on the Western Pizza Hotline, and you also in the article note uh, something that you, we you, we'd actually talked about. Oh gosh. Three weeks ago or so, Yesapulia Yarvi up on that top line with McDavid and uh, help me out here. Oh, Zach Hyman. Uh, yeah. th- that Puya Yarvi has been doing great things before this stretch when they would pair with McDavid. Uh, they've at least gone that way these first three games. Yeah, it's and, and I, I both wingers, both Hyman and Puya Yarvi, turnover pucks. And McDavid is most dangerous at five on five. When when he's loose, there's a loss of possession. The puck is available to him, and then it's he he really drives defensemen and goaltenders crazy off the rush when they're when they don't have support when they're when they're uh, susceptible wide, and he could turn in on them. And they're they're really, I mean, they're basically in in panic mode and. For some reason, with those two wingers, I think it has a lot to do with their aggressive forechecking. But pucks turn over in the middle of the ice, and McDavid can take advantage because the whole, the whole, both sets of teams are going in one direction, and he moves the other way. And and if you're if you're going the wrong way with McDavid, he's so quick. Mm-hmm. Chances are it's too late for you, even when the puck turns over. And and that's been happening a lot more, and it always seems to happen when Pugliarvi's on that line. And Pugliarvi plays better with McDavid, but it's also true vice versa. Uh, Pugliarvi's presence elevates McDavid, and I, I, I think that uh, that Tippett, whatever I don't know what metrics he uses or whatever uh, designs he uses or how he reflects the game, but he figured that out right away. That was a first game thing for him. Three straight wins for the Oilers: Thursday, Anaheim; Saturday, Winnipeg; Sunday versus Minnesota. As this uh, 
stretch of games. So yikes uh, continues. Let's bring in Clayton Croker. Clayton, you want to jump on in with Alan Mitchell? Yeah, Alan, I'm a WHO homer, so my answer to this is yes. Um, is the Oilers' best goalie back in the AHL right now? Yeah, he is for sure. Now, the, we had a big discussion on this uh, today and yesterday. People are, uh, Oilers fans are really want Skinner here. They're, they're just beside themselves. But, you know, Ken Holland is a veteran general manager, and veteran general managers often go with the, the path of least resistance. I'm sure Holland is thinking, you know, Skinner's down there. Uh, I can call him at any time. We, at the beginning of the year, our thought process was Smith and Koskinen. We're going to rotate 1A and 1B. Uh, the, the season's half over, but we have some time between now and the trade deadline. I want to see what this looks like. That's my guess. But the other side of that is that Skinner has been. He, he, he got sent out like after shutting out a team, which is kind mm-hmm. of unusual. And uh, I think he'll be back. He certainly has played well enough. I thought he might get a dozen starts in the last 35 or 40. That's unlikely to happen now, but the story isn't over. I think they're viewing him as a one of the two options next fall for sure, and he's earned it. Like Stuart Skinner has played well enough to to you know be one of the two goaltenders in Edmonton right now. It's just not the case currently. I had just installed the print, the uh, Superintendent Chalmers Skinner sound effect at work, and then he gets sent down. I can't use it anymore. Like I'm going to transition this. Yeah, go on. I'm going to transition this into a uh, Flames question because the Oilers have a Darnell Nurse, a number one guy on the back end. The Flames don't really have that, but is that an issue with the top nine and the goalie that they have? I don't think so. The thing about uh, Calgary that that you know, has changed over the last few years, say five or six, is they've been really good at draft and development. So, you know, even though, like, Hannafin's a very good defenseman, uh, but they, they have support on top of that, right? Shillington has turned into a really good uh, defender uh, on the left side. So, I, you know, I, I think it might be as they get deeper into the playoffs and play really good teams, i.e. Colorado or or maybe they see Vegas in the in the second round. But I, I, I don't think it's an issue to the point where they have to go out and do something about it. I, I, they've got enough guys who can eat up the minutes if necessary. What, what really makes Calgary different, I believe, uh, compared to Edmonton, is they have an established goaltender. They have, depending upon if Monaghan's going to score, they would have three scoring lines. And their top two pairs are more uh, set than Edmonton's. Edmonton, because of the injury to Duncan Keith, is less settled than Calgary would be. I'm actually ticked about that Skinner thing, DT. I have the I have the sound effect as a Flames fan who doesn't like talking about the Oilers. That was a positive going into it, and got to wait another year by the looks of it. Find, just find a way how you can how you can soothe yourself. Find a way to get the steamed hams one in there, or Aurora Borealis located entirely within your kitchen. Huh? No, super easy to sneak a steamed hams reference into the sports DT. I'll just sneak one in there. There you go. Uh, Alan Mitchell is with us on the sports cage. Uh, Alan, the Flames are first in their division. They're up on Las Vegas with two games in hand on Vegas. Are the Flames a team that can win the Stanley Cup this year? Yeah, I, I think they oh, are. Wow. Uh, yeah, and here, here's why. The, the, the Flames are, are deep enough. I believe, and the trade for Toffoli just adds to that. But they're they're deep enough, and they've got the coaching. And and you know, 
Sutter sometimes comes off as a guy who's not, you know, like he, he's a little bit different in his, his uh, approach, and sometimes he mumbles a little bit. And I think people get the idea that he's, you know, he's, he's not a cutting-edge guy, but he is. His, his, his philosophy and his way of going about coaching uh, an NHL team are really, they're in lockstep with a lot of the advanced analytics. He believes in possession. He doesn't like to turn over the puck. And, and so a lot of what he wants to do, he didn't have the roster to do when he came to Calgary. But almost every step, I, my suspicion is he has a great deal of input into how this roster is coming together. And he's got a lot of ex-LA Kings on that team now. Uh, Lewis, they just picked up uh, DeFoley. Milan Lucic played for him in L.A. They've got some guys there who know what the formula is. And I don't know if it could work for anybody else, in all honesty, because based on what I've always read about Sutter, he's kind of an old-school coach in terms of approach. Mm-hmm. But in terms of style and, and what he's looking for and the result that he wants, he wants to outshoot teams. He wants to outscore them. He wants to hold on to the puck as long as possible. He's not a big chip-and-chase guy. And his, his players like to you know, move the puck along the wall, uh, get it into a good spot. They're hard to play against. I think they could win the Stanley Cup. Now, they need some luck and they need some health, but you can say that about any team. Yeah, and they need to stay ahead of Las Vegas, which, final one for you, Jack Eichel makes his Las Vegas debut today. He comes off long-term injured reserve just at the exact moment that Mark Stone, who had missed, I think, one game with a back injury, is ready to go on long-term injured reserve. And I, I, I wind this up sarcastically, but what are the, what are the chances that there are any shenanigans going on here? Well, about a 99% chance, but what, <laughs> the, the problem is that once the NHL let Tampa Bay do this, and going back to, I guess, Lou Lamarillo, they're going to have to step in and say, look, this is too much. But the way Vegas gets around it is they can say, like, you know, let's say that Vegas' first opponent in the first round is, uh, I don't know, St. Louis or whatever. They can, they can not play Stone for the first couple of games and say see it didn't work out exactly right but yeah. i think it's pretty clear that that this is what's happening it happened in tampa bay uh, it'll happen again until the nhl uh puts a stop to it but uh, clearly it's circumventing clearly they they knew they would have to do something with eichel i think they might eventually trade riley smith he'd be the guy to move mm. but if you're trying to win the stanley cup and riley smith would help you why would you do that right so I think we're I think we're stuck with this until the NHL creates a more difficult or, or uh, rule to get around, and I'm not sure how you do that. But uh, you know, uh, I'm always I'm always sensitive to the fact that the farther south you get in the NHL, the more lax some of these rules are. <laughs> and maybe that's just because I'm Canadian, but that's sort of my observation. Just think about what Arizona's going to get away with all tucked <laughs> away in that 5,000-seat stadium for three years. They're going to be able to do whatever they want because no one will watch. What if they make it to the Stanley Cup final? I know oh they my. won't. <laughs> oh, my. I hadn't even thought of that. But what if what if the Game 7 of the Stanley Cup final is in a 5,000-seat arena on the campus of Arizona State? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Gary Bettman would get what he deserves at that point because that team could be in Saskatoon. It'd be way better off. My goodness, uh, Alan. You know what? You go, final thought you to you. A lot. Of, you could sell a lot of uh, tickets for a lot of money in Saskatoon. Right. That's true. My yeah. goodness, oh, Alan, yeah. Thank you, brother. Hey, have a good one.
Alan Mitchell on Twitter at Low Tide. You can hear him on TSN 1260. Read his great stuff uh, at The Athletic, and he joins us every week here on The Cage on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Ian McMillan talks some NFL and some hockey with us at 530 on The Cage. 525 with the afternoon rush. Wednesday update from the Beijing Olympics. Canada's Charles Hamlin won gold in the men's 5,000 relay, tying Cindy Claussen as Canada's most decorated winter Olympian with six medals apiece. In Canada's men's hockey team, they were eliminated by Sweden, losing 2 to nothing in the quarterfinals. So for the first time since 2006, Canada will not medal in men's hockey. And the big ones tonight, though, women's hockey gold medal game. Canada versus the United States. Bring one home, Emily Clark. We need that gold. Puck drop is at 10, 10 p.m. Saskatchewan time, DT. And I will be ranting and raving and yelling. I, Clayton, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be yelling at referees in this one, right? Like, that's got to be. Like I said earlier in the show, this country needs a triple overtime, quadruple overtime, five overtime, whatever. <laughs> like, minimum triple overtime, Team Canada victory, just because... It's been a kick in the pants in this country the last month. We need something. We need something like this to unify us, man. We need something happy and positive. I'm entirely in favor of that. Briar wild cards went out today. Matt Dunstone, his rink will get one of them. So we will have two Saskatchewan rinks at the Briar this year in Lethbridge. Colton Flash obviously representing the province and Dunstone with one of the wild card teams. Uh, they are both in Pool A. So Flash. Dunstone, Kevin Cooey, uh, Bo- uh, Brandon Botcher, and Glenn Howard all in Pool A. Yikes. Uh, pool B, McEwen, Jacobs, Gushu, Gunnickson, and others in there. Colton Flash will open against Kevin Cooey uh, Friday, March 4th. Flash, of course, in the exhibition at Mosaic Stadium. Played with uh, Kevin Cooey. He's a former member of Cooey's rink. Gets to go head-to-head with him in the opening draw on Friday. Dunstone gets James Gratton of New Brunswick in the opening draw on Friday. And then could this be any better or any worse, Clayton? Flash versus Dunstone in the final match of round robin play. So the match that could, they might both go to the playoffs. One of them might get eliminated by the other as they're trying to get to the playoffs in the final round of round robin. And you don't like to see that. You don't like to see the Saskatchewan guys playing each other at all. I know you kind of have to do it with the round robin, but if there could be a way where they don't and they both get into the playoffs, that's what you like to see in this province. We just need we just need a Saskatchewan winner at the Briar. I, I don't care who it is. If it's a wild card team, Saskatchewan team, yeah. we need a Saskatchewan Briar winner. We need it now, DT. It's a lot of this Newfoundland, Alberta malarkey. That's got to stop. Right? Ugh, malarkey. Yeah. Right? The tens, there was a lot of Manitoba in there. We need some need some more Saskies in there. So two Saskatchewan rinks chasing. We had, of course, had two with the Scotties with Penny Barker and Chelsea Carey. Two on the men's side. That starts March 4th through the 13th. It is 5-28. Ian McMillan, the senior editor of Betsided, talks odds for next year's Super Bowl. Who are you on to win the Super Bowl next February? That plus tonight's action in the NHL coming up on the cage. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> 5.30 on a Wednesday, that music. 
is when we welcome in Ian McMillan, the senior editor of BetSider. We'll have him on the horn in just a second to talk about, man, there's a, there's a guy who bet every NFL game this season, rolled all the way through the Super Bowl. We're going to ask him who we should be looking at for next year's Super Bowl because, uh, Clayton, it's super early, and I don't want to sideline my money for a year, but I really – the second the Super Bowl ends, it's like, well, what happens next year? What's going on next year? I can't, I can't wait for next year. What, are, what is everybody going to look like? I just – I can't stop. No, I'm already looking at uh, bets for the comeback player of the year, DT. That's how big of a degenerate I am. Bets for comeback player of the year in I don't even know if you can make those bets, but I'm looking them up. Huh. I assume you could do, like, MVP. Who would be – like, this year it was obviously Dak Prescott, right? Like, we, we kind of knew, hey, he broke his ankle in 2020. It's going to be him because the Cowboys should be a little better. That was an easy one. Who would be – Odell Beckham Jr., will he... Uh, I got a couple names for you. Christian McCaffrey. He's going to get hurt again, though, but that's a good one. Julio Jones didn't get hurt, but didn't really have a good season. He was he was a nobody in Tennessee. Maybe he goes somewhere else, or maybe he just has like a, a crazy good year where he gets the comeback player of the year that way. Oh, I got I got one for you based on that. Julio Jones made me think of Calvin Ridley. He he took his time away from the uh, the Falcons for his mental health. If he comes back next year and does Calvin Ridley type things, to me that's that one's going to resonate with voters. Oh, that's a good one. We are Those, we are very far down the rabbit hole here, though. <laughs> feels kind of feels kind of dirty betting on the comeback player of the year. You want them all to do well, obviously, and you're like, no, this guy needs to do better than that guy because I need an extra seventy five dollars. Oh, yeah, no, there's there's guys I want to absolutely stink next year. I'm I'm absolutely come on. I mean, you gotta you gotta be willing to to hope guys stink. Ian McMillan, am I right on that? You don't want everybody to do well. There's certain guys, like for you, maybe the New York Rangers or Islanders. You want them to stink next year. Yeah, there's yeah. I mean, there's the only thing that's more fun than rooting for a team to do well is for a team or players to do bad. Yeah, exactly. Like us here on the show, we were all Zinger. We were all Ottawa Red Blacks are going to be awful. And I like the Red Blacks and I like some of their coaches. True. But we said they were going to be awful. So we were rooting for them to be awful. And they were awful. Uh, I'm assuming, Ian, for you, the NFL season was not awful. How did it go now that it's all wrapped up? Yeah, yeah, it went very well as far as my bets went. Uh, I was profitable quite a bit in the regular season. Was as well in the playoffs. Didn't hit my big Super Bowl bet with the uh, Rams minus four. That uh, that point, that missed extra point, really came back to bite me. Um, but it's still a fun night overall. I did hit OBJ to score the first touchdown of the night at about seven and a half to one. So that uh, that pretty much made up for it. That'll do. That will absolutely do. Uh, next year's Super Bowl. I was pulling out the odds in advance. Uh, this was from the good folks at Bodog. Buffalo and Kansas City, the favorites at seven and a half to one. The Rams at ten to one. Cincinnati, San Francisco at eleven to one. Yikes on both of those counts. Dallas and Green Bay then at fourteen to one. Baltimore, Denver, and the Chargers at twenty to one. I would be, I would be afraid of laying any money with San Francisco because I don't know what they're doing at quarterback next year. Yeah, yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'd stay away from San Francisco. But then again, the NFC is going to be so wide open next year. That's true. Uh, that's why if I was looking at any Super Bowl bet right now, I'd have to look at an NFC team because uh, I would be shocked if it's not either Buffalo or Kansas City over the AFC who makes it next year. Yeah, Cincinnati. You couldn't. I wouldn't take them at eleven to one at all. Denver. I. 
I, I'm going to need to see Aaron Rodgers' news before I start believing Denver could do anything. Um, even a little, I mean, a little further down, do you believe anything about New England for next season? Well, here's one team I'll say uh, that if there's one team I would recommend betting on right now would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because uh, put on my tinfoil hat here for a second, oh. I don't think I think Tom Brady's coming back. Really? Yeah. Listen, if he retired in like July, then I'd say okay, he's done for good. But he retired like two weeks after uh, they lost. They had a heartbreaking loss to the Rams in the playoffs. Uh, you see this all the time in the UFC. When a UFC fighter who's getting up there in age loses a fight. They, like, retire immediately after the fight, and then, like, a month later, like, oh, just joking, I'm actually going to come back. <laughs> uh, I think it might be a similar thing for Tom Brady. Give him a couple months. Once the se- new season starts going, maybe he might even take, like, halfway through training camp. Uh, I think he's going to come back. He's, he, he's too obsessed with the sport of football, I think, to walk away when he still has something to give, which is crazy to, to say that a guy who retired at 44 years old still seemed like he had a couple seasons left in the tank so um but then again i don't know if he's going to come back to tampa bay that's kind of where the wrench gets thrown in but even if tom brady doesn't come back the buccaneers are right now uh literally a quarterback away from being a super bowl contender and they're all the way down to 22 to 1 right now in the super bowl odds so who knows maybe they can get a guy like aaron Rodgers. maybe they can get someone else to fill in a quarterback if they get a quarterback they're automatically a super bowl contender whether that's tom brady or somebody else who, who are the players that could actually shake this up and change things dramatically? Tom Brady is one, right? He goes to a team, uh, their their chances would shorten dramatically. People are talking about Aaron Rodgers, and it honestly looks like Bodog has priced both Green Bay and Denver. I don't know if they've priced Denver exactly to have Aaron Rodgers at 20-1, to 1, but he could shake things up. Would Russell Wilson changing teams shake it up dramatically for you? Yeah, that was kind of that was the one I was going to say was going to be either if Russell Wilson changes teams or and I don't think this is going to happen because it's I feel like it would have happened already if they just get rid of Pete Carroll. I think their coaching staff is is yeah. what's kind of holding Russell Wilson back. So either Russell Wilson with a different team or Russell Wilson with the Seahawks but a different coaching staff, I think immediately throws a wrench into the picture of the NFC. Yeah, uh, just looking down the list, Seattle thirty-five to one, Las Vegas, Miami, Philly, Pittsburgh. Philly has, what, three first-round draft picks, but there's I don't know that anybody's going to move the needle enough where they'll draft. Atlanta at 50-1. to 1, uh, what, Can Matt Ryan go uh, anywhere? <laughs> no. I think no, it, Matt Ryan's not going anywhere. As I was going to say, careful, DT. The Falcons are my team. Don't trash them too much. Yeah, no, I just uh, – Ryan is a guy who, if you plopped – pretend it was feasible and I, with his contract, I think you're right, it's not possible. But if you took Matt Ryan – and plopped him in the Denver Broncos somehow. Okay, well now Denver, I'm I'm concerned about Denver because they have a lot of nice pieces that are outside the quarterback position there. Yeah, Matt Ryan's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. He had a pretty solid year this year with very, very, very little help in one of the worst offensive lines in the entire NFL. If he would go to somewhere, somewhere like a Denver, or maybe. God forbid this would be terrible because uh, it's an NFC South opponent, but maybe he goes to Tampa Bay. Uh, Immediately those teams, I I think, uh, become contenders. But um, uh, their coach and and, and their owner, Arthur Blank, uh, has come out and said that they don't have any plans on moving Matt Ryan. So I think he's still going to be with the team. I think, and this is what I hope they do as a Falcons fan, is the Falcons should build the rest of the team because there are a ton of holes on that team. And then once the team is built, then go get your quarterback, whether it be the draft next year or maybe the year after. But Matt Ryan's still got a solid two, three years left in him. Yeah, that sounds like what San Francisco tried to do this year. They made the big move to get the quarterback because they were 
were they were filled in at receiver and and I mean at a ton of spots. Uh, we'll see if they end up flipping quarterbacks and going to Trey Lance next season. Uh, Clayton, what do you got for teams you are you would wager on to win the Super Bowl next year? Teams I would wager to win the Super Bowl on, up until this Kyler Murray stuff started to happen, I would say Arizona with Hopkins <laughs> and Kyler Murray there. But, yep. well, that's not really an option right now. Um, he unfollowed honestly, them on Instagram. Oh, my God. I know. Honestly. The drama. It's, it's, I could see Seattle making a comeback if Russell goes back there. I could see him having kind of a revenge tour there. Pete I have a feeling. Go. I have a feeling it's going to be a totally random team, though. I have a feeling next year it's going to be one of those teams that that either no one sees coming or a team like Dallas. They end a huge drought, something like that. Got to get the coach out of the way of uh, the players' way uh, in Dallas and and fix up some parts of that defense. Ian McMillan's the senior editor, Betside. He's with us on the Western Pizza. Hotline. A uh, couple of games of interest to us in the NHL in this region. The Jets taking on the Minnesota Wild. The Jets, the dog in that one. And based on that game against Chicago on what was it Monday, I totally buy that because. Ugh. And then the Flames, significant favorites over the Ducks. What are you watching in the NHL tonight, Ian? Yeah, for the Jet, the, the Minnesota Wild are one of the hardest teams in the NHL to truly evaluate and bet on. And the reason why is because I'm a big analytics guy. I talk about this all the time, especially advanced analytics. They're mm. like below average at best at basically every single advanced analytic, but they're in the top of the NHL in the two very simple categories, which is shooting percentage and saving and save percentage. They're like second in the NHL in the last 25 games in shooting percentage. They're very accurate shooters, and they've been getting fantastic goaltending, uh, I think third in the NHL over the last 25 games in save percentage. So it's very strange to me because they do the simple things very, very well, but when you look at advanced analytics, they, they, they aren't doing well. So it, it's kind of like which of the two types of analytics do you want to believe in. So yeah. if, if I'm not betting on that game against the Jets. I would go Jets at home. I was on them last week when, the, when they beat the Wild. I think the Jets are underperforming a little bit. Connor Hellebuck, I know he's not quite having the year that he has had the years past, but I still believe in him. Home underdogs in the NHL are generally a good spot, so I would lean the Jets in that one. But the Flames and Ducks, and we can talk about this a little bit more, I am all in on the Calgary Flames. I legitimately think they're the second-best team in the Western Conference behind the Avalanche. Uh, top five in both high-danger scoring chances against and four uh, in the Anaheim Ducks. Hot start to the season. They've regressed to where they actually should be. I think this game's not even close, so... Uh, they're minus 220 favorites, the Flames are. I'm lo actually looking at the puck line, mm -hmm. which means that they need to win by at least two goals, getting a little bit more value on at uh, plus 115 on that. So I think the Flames win tonight in a, in a, in a blowout. Uh, we're going to need to rewind to that, to the the Flames, the second-best team in the West. Uh, so you would you would plot them ahead of the Wild, the Blues, yes. and the, the Vegas Golden Knights who are about to get Jack Eichel into the lineup. Yeah, Jack, the thing with the Jack, and I'm, I've been the biggest non-believer in the Golden Knights all season. The thing with Jack Eichel, he's, he's not really going to help their defense, and that's where, where they struggle. The Golden Knights all year have been one of the worst defenses in the, in the NHL. When you look at high-danger scoring chances against, they're right at the bottom of the NHL, like bottom three or something. Flames, top five in high-danger scoring chances. Yeah. Four, top five in high-danger scoring chances against. First in Corsi percentage, which is an advanced analytic over their last 25 games. They got Tyler Toffoli, which is exactly what they needed. They needed one good scoring uh, uh, offensive guy to kind of help them out. They got him. 
Uh, now they're on, what, a seven-game winning streak? They've taken over the top spot in the Pacific Division. I actually bet on them um, a few days ago. I think it was, it was when they saw, when they got uh, Tyler Toffoli. I placed a bet on them to win the West at 10-1, to 1, which I think was fantastic <laughs> value. Obviously, they have to get by the Avs probably at some point in the playoffs, which is a tall order. But 10-1 to 1 to win the West, I think they're the second-best team. I think they narrowly edge out the Wild. Um, and I don't. I, I think the Golden Knights are extremely overrated. We'll see what happens with uh, Eichel in the lineup, but he's. I don't think he's the solution to where their weaknesses are. Clayton, this has got to be music to your ears here. No, oh, keep talking, Ian. Let's go. <laughs> this is awesome. Smart guy over there. This guy knows what he's talking about. Are you? Are you with them on the Flames? My Flames is the second best team in the West. I think we're third right now. We're third, like I'm on the team. Uh, I think the Flames are third right now. I think they're still behind Vegas, especially now that Jacques Ishell is in the lineup. Yes. Um, I don't know. Like, if if Vegas goes out and maybe shores up their goaltending, because Robin Leonard's just kind of been a bit disappointing this season, uh, I don't know. I think Vegas is still that solid number two. It's always been Vegas and Colorado. But the Flames, like, they're the sexy pick right now. And it's awesome because as a Flames fan, it's always Oilers this, Oilers that, Oilers, Oilers, Marsha, Marsha, sick of it. The Flames are here, baby, and everyone's talking about them. It's, it's finally. Well, and I was going to say, Ian, getting the Flames at 10-1 to 1 to win the West, just pulled up Bodog, it's now down to 7-1. to 1. Yeah, you, that's a hell of a bet. I, I appreciate that one a ton. Yeah, so the Flames are officially my Western Canadian team for the rest of the season. Here on out. Love it. Uh, Clayton, I'm with you. Let's go Flames. <laughs> Woo, let's go, baby. Smart guy over there, that there Ian go. McMillan. Ian McMillan is a senior editor of BetSided. He's with us every Wednesday on The Cage. Follow him on Twitter, at Ian MacBets, I-A-I-N-M-A-C, and the word bets. Ian, thank you, brother. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care, and as always, uh, best luck with your bets this week. Ian McMillan with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. It wasn't even the setup, Clayton. He just came on and liberally, on his own, praised your team. The times are a change in DT. The times of just dumping on the flames are over. We're good, and we're going to enjoy it. Like, I know... I know I'm being a complete loser homer right now, but we never get to do this as Flames fans. Like, this never happens. We always have to usually live in the shadows and shame, but now it's we get to scream it from the rooftops. We're finally proud of this team. There you go. Uh, Zinger, your Montreal Canadiens, 500-1 to 1 to win the Atlantic. Schmeckel? So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Schmeckel. 500-1. to 1. The only team with longer odds in this division... The Arizona Coyotes. Man. That's that's not where I want to be. So if I were to put 50 bucks on that. (laughs) $25,000 would be the ticket you would stare at for a couple months as you watch your team circle down the drain. (laughs) Yeah, you're not. That ain't coming home. Uh, Thanks so much to to Ian McMillan being with us on the Western Pizza Hotline 546. Uh, Plenty more to come. More riders talk. More hockey talk. The big game tonight at 10 o'clock. Coming up in the cage. Five forty nine sports ticker time. Well, it still remains on the. Well, he still remains on the Riders roster. Formerly, appears as though that Rider receiver Terrell Jana has decided to retire. That from TSN's football expert Farhan Lalji. Jana was the top receiver selected 
in the 2021 CFL Draft. The Riders did add a receiver to the roster on Wednesday, signing six foot three, 215-pound Xavier Ubosi. Ubosi was originally signed by the Riders in 2019, but he was unable to attend training camp in 2021. Now he's back with the team for 2022. JWL has landed in Calgary. Former Riders receiver Jordan Williams-Lambert has signed with the Stampeders. JWL had 14 catches for 152 yards in 2021 before his season was cut short due to injury. And Jackie Schiff makes his Golden Knights debut tonight versus Colorado. He shall. His first game back since March 7th of last year. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. One more time, the last name? Eshell. There you go. <laughs> now batting. Eshell. <laughs> crushing it. Uh, update to the Terrell Jana story. Yeah, you mentioned Farhan Lalji reporting that he is going to retire. We mentioned that his Instagram page said retired CFL player. The update his Instagram page now just says CFL player. The word retired is no longer there. Mind blown. Dun, dun, dun. What is going on? There's trauma in Ryderville, Clayton. See? Clayton is riveted. Huge there, drama. There oh, yeah. This is this is young and the restless stuff here, guys. Yeah. I, young I, and the restless stuff here, guys. Young and the restless stuff. That's yeah, very Well, he is young. So that would qualify. Uh, yeah, he's updated his his uh, Instagram bio. The no longer says retired CFL player, just says CFL player. But no reason to doubt Farhan's reporting that was a re- on that. Quick retirement. He's back. He's back. He's back. <laughs> I, I like the thought of Terrell Janet. It was it was always going to be where where will they squeeze him in the best? If you get for certain guys and certain Canadian guys, if you get cast out to that wide side wide receiver spot way out there like go out there and then just keep going a little more yeah that the numbers yeah just keep going like just it's so far out there that you just get lost in the canadian game to some respect it's the least targeted position on the cfl field that's just kind of how it works with geometry and stuff like that so if you get cast into that spot you're not a special talent well okay it's going to be a problem i i wonder how much he certainly looked at his future and what am I going to get from the game and what are my opportunities going to be in 2022? Where do I fit into all this? And then what can I do on the outside? And it sounds like Clayton, he just kind of took that all in and went, okay, yeah, it's, it's just time to move on. We all kind of reach that in our lives with whatever it is, sports that we play when we were for most of us, younger uh, jobs that we do, we all kind of reach that point. And, Wherever he goes, I can tell you that uh, Terrell Janet is going to be a big success. To some people in Saskatchewan, it might seem absolutely ludicrous that you walk away from being a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, right? Like, that's the dream. I remember talking to uh, former Saskatoon Hilltop, former rider Greg Newman, when he walked away. Because he could have played a, a couple more years. Great special teamer. It was unfortunate when he signed to Winnipeg, broke his leg. That kind of derailed things. He was mm. a promising guy. But he was just like, man, I'm... Just done being the special teams guy. I'm just done with the grind. I'm just man, like I'd rather just do some other things. He is, he's wicked smart. As uh, <laughs> what, what reference is that? I'm blanking on the movie. Goodwill hunting, reason. obviously. There we go. Goodwill ben hunting. Affleck. Put it on the board. Yeah, he's wicked smart. And uh, he just said no. Instead of just chasing chasing punts down the field, 
I'm going to go uh, do my thing. I think he's uh, some kind of engineer now or something like that. Um, just some guys. They just don't want to. They live their dream for a couple seasons, and then that's all they need, man. All I would need is one game. So, yeah, Jeremy O'Day, if you're listening, sign me. Being a pro football player on, on the whole sounds awesome. Being in the Super Bowl, oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. Making $45 bucks a year. God, that sounds great. I feel like I would just keep going at that till they carted me off in, in uh, whatever, just toss my, my remnants into a wheelbarrow and bring me off the field. Uh, the CFL, it's it's just it's different, right? Like, I look at these guys and go, oh, man, it is so awesome that you're there. This is, this is the elite of the elite in your sport. Then the reality kind of strikes you of, well, last year I made 50 grand. If I was on the roster for every game and maybe I made some playoff money and, well – if I was on the practice roster, I made a cool 750 bucks, presuming that that wasn't adjusted for the, the realities of economics during COVID. 750 bucks a week. That's that, what I love about this game, though. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I think the CFL has an advantage. You got guys that are here because they love the game, right? They're not here because of the publicity. They're not here because of the paycheck, you know. Some guys are. Some guys are making really good money playing in the CFL. But some guys are just doing it for the love of the game. They're doing it because football is awesome, and they know it. They want to hang with the guys, hang with the squad, and that's what they want to do. And that's what I love about CFL. It's not just about the paycheck and being a big star. It's, it's just more about playing football, right? And that's what I love about it. Yeah, but then the, the chance that someone hideously breaks your leg and you're, you walk funny for the next 40 years. And there's that, there, too. There, there's got to yeah. be a certain amount of compensation that, that these guys must need for that, right? And as much as we don't, we don't really address that possibility you know, during the game, when we're calling games, but... I mean, one, we've seen it with guys. We, we've probably all seen it with guys we've either played with or, or in teams we've been close to where one head injury and it's just everything is different. You go, mm-hmm. I'm going to need some real money for that. So when it is eight figures to be the, the left guard for the, the Cleveland Browns, you're like, okay, well, there's, there's a real there, – I don't know where the, where the dollar figure is, but at $10 million, I'm probably willing to put myself through some stuff. At $100,000, what am I willing to do? What are my chances outside of it? At, uh, what is that, 19 bucks an hour for a 40-hour work week? And I honestly, I have no confidence that CFL players work a 40-hour work week. It's got to be way more than that. Ugh, I don't know how much I'm willing to when I have other options and other, other loves, right? It, I, when I was talking to Farhan, I, it just strikes me that the first time I ran into a CFL player who's like, yeah, I kind of like football. I'm like, but you're really good at it. He's like, yeah, it's okay. It, it, it took me a while to wrap my head around it because you think it's all for the love and the passion of the game, but some guys do it to feed their competitive juices. Like, hey, I, I'm really good at football and I love competing. I don't necessarily love football, but I'm good at it and I love competing, so I'm going to go out and try to win the Super Bowl. It's just at the same time, though, at the same time, yeah. there's part of me that's like, man, I love football 100 percent of me. Like, oh, there's one half of me that is an Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. There's an alter ego in there. Oh, I just love football. I mean, like yeah. I sit there and sometimes think about that. Like, are, are the concussions worth it? Because I've had a bunch. And, yeah, you start to feel the effects. But at the same time, man, my life would be totally different without football and, and for the worse, right? So, ah, it's just that back and forth, man. The memories you make, the people you meet in football, it's uh, it's a one-of-a-kind community. It's a one-of-a-kind sport, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I haven't seen the guys I played football with in 
probably in 30 years. But if I saw them, I'd be like, oh, my God. How Actually, you know what? I ran into one at the airport. I was at the Regina Airport, and I ran into Steele, who I played foot- college or pardon me, college football, LOL, high school football with. And I hadn't seen him since 1993. And... Th- just back in the rhythm, right? Because he was a couple years younger than I was, but we both played football together. Those things, those things last forever. And for a guy like Terrell Jana, he's got four years at the University of Virginia where he, he, I mean, your college friends, you know, you'll never forget those folks. You know, his high school, he would have been a star in Vancouver. He probably, Farhan Lalji was probably asking him for, for clips and quotes along the way. He, he's got some of the memories and he's chosen to, to, to move on to the rest of us. I don't always know that I get it, but it's probably because I never, honestly, I said it with Farhan, it's probably because I never really committed to try to be great at football. And the amount of time that would take from everything, the hours you would have to put in to even have a, have a shot at it, much less be great at it, uh, it maybe, maybe that's, uh, that's why I still look, look back at it fondly. Lo, these 150 years after I played in the old leather helmet, rub some salt, uh, rub some uh, dirt on it, take a salt tablet, and you'll be fine. Uh, but all the best to uh, Terrell Jana for whatever he will choose to do uh, this upcoming year. Clayton, thank you, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one, bud. See you then. See you, man. Uh, mornings with Stacy and Clayton, 96.3 Cruise FM in Saskatoon. Clayton with us every Tuesday to Thursday here on The Cage. 5.58 News is next on 620 CKRM. 6.03 on a Wednesday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The text line is 306-936-6262, powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. And Jeff wants to talk about riders. I think we can accommodate that. We're somewhat known for that. We're known for that around these parts. Yeah, Jeff says, I'm worried about running backs, O-line, D-line, and defensive backs. Ooh, that's I, a lot of worries, honestly. That's a lot of worries, and this, and this. But so, I can I can share that though. Yeah. Settled on receivers, quarterbacks, and uh, linebackers. He says very very happy with linebackers. I agree with that 100. Uh, percent Jeff goes on to say Jo has shown he can bring in players. Problem can be depth, which we've seen the last couple of years. Plus, it's a Grey Cup year. As of right now, Jamal Morrow is the lead back. Last year's lead back, William Powell, is signed in Ottawa. As of right now, Jamal Moore was the lead back. Who's number two behind him? Well, Keenan LaFrance is a guy who will be on the roster, you'd assume, all 18 times in the regular season because uh, valuable special teamer. And uh, we saw him do some stuff in the run game last year as well. There's not a veteran name right now at the running back position concerned like Jeff is or not as concerned not at running back I'm not I'm not concerned at running back I like moral I am concerned of who's gonna play that uh boundary halfback oh yeah yeah that'll be well let's talk about defensive backs right now uh Nick Marshall at the corner question mark at his half Mike Adam back at safety and then you would presume just uh Damon Webb was the guy who was the other halfback and then Blaze Brown, Christian Campbell. Campbell's, I believe, a free agent. But uh, who is going to be Ed Ganey? When Jeremy O'Day was with us last week, he said, we think we have the guys on the roster that can do that. Problem is, that's the most – that's got to be a very – well, I was going to say it's got to be a very veteran spot, but then Winnipeg threw a raw rookie in there, and he was fantastic last year. So what the hell do I really know? And it's just uh, two big pieces as far as not only production but, like, 
the leadership that the team's losing because those aren't guys that you can just replace that you already have on your roster, like that leadership and stuff with all the experience. So if there's one place on the team that I'm probably most concerned with, it is probably in the defensive backfield. And your level of concern with them in the 2021 season was what? No, that was one of my favorite parts of the team, and that was like their strength of their team. They probably wouldn't have been in the West Final without their defense and their defensive backs and those timely big plays, right? Yeah, so it's a real flip. And, I mean, it's Ganey and Purifoy are gone from the team from from last season. And, and yeah, now I, I could buy that as an, a reason for concern. Offensive line, we could probably talk this to death, but offensive line, Taryn Vaughn back, the interior three back. And they'll try to find somebody to play that right tackle. Brett Boyko still on the market. Could be back. I don't know what Brett's intentions are or the Riders' intentions towards Brett, but Boyko could be back. That Andrew be Lauderdale's big. around. That would be I think I think we should bring back Brett Boyko. I you know, he it's not like he was an all star last year, but like he's a big part of that offensive line. And it's huge that Taron Vaughn's gonna be back too. Like the the old line could look a whole lot different in a good way coming up yeah. this season. Because Vaughn is kind of like the leader up there, with, along with Dan Clark right in the center. So, but I was kind of expecting that Boyko would have been signed by now. So that makes me think: like, is he is he still wanting to play football, or is he still, you know, that's yeah. that's kind of thing that I've been I w- I've been floating around in my head the last couple of days here. Yeah, we just don't know what are the riders again riders' intentions towards him, his intentions uh, toward the riders. The Taron Vaughn one is going to be interesting because Vaughn really showed out well in 2019, right? He would flip sides to accommodate. When they went through that spell of like, hey, we want to see all our linemen before this first buy, Vaughn flipped sides, right, to accommodate Cofield and then move back left because Thad Coleman was the, the right tackle. Vaughn has injured both shoulders in oh, consecutive seasons, yeah. right? So... I think, I mean, he was going to be their number one choice at tackle in 2021, and he'll probably be their number one choice at tackle in 2022. But just be, be not necessarily wary, but be aware. He tore up one shoulder one year. He tore up the next shoulder the next year. Mm-hmm. So can you, are you, are you sure he's going to play all 18 games will be something to watch? Because when he does, very nice. Yeah. And that ability to go left, right, very nice. Because pretend... Natai Rogers would rather be the left tackle. Okay, well, we know Taron can do this, and we can figure out. We talked about this in advance of the 2021 season. He's the piece that makes you go, well, whatever that other guy is, Taron can be the other thing. So if this guy, if Cyrus Quanjo is better at right tackle, well, Taron's going to be our left tackle, right? We can we can do anything through Taron Vaughn. Uh, offensive line, is. I, uh, why do I feel like it's going to be the thing we're talking about all season long? Yeah, well... The- probably will be and the, the thing at le- the thing at left tackle for Taron Vaughn that that's something that the riders and the fans and everybody won't know if his shoulders are going to hold up until they start playing games and stuff yeah. right so it's like it's one of those things where you're you're going to I don't want to say be waiting for it all year if he if he gets hurt or what but it's very unsettling coming coming back from an injury or yeah. Like that, eh? So well, and and we're in a spot with one the Riders, and honestly, two the rest of the league, where we need some young Americans to come up here and start kicking some butt at tackle because we've lost some through retirement, and then so many teams struggled on their offensive line in 2021. Yeah, like Winnipeg was very nice on the ground, 
But Kolaros was under pressure more than 30% of the time, which some of that is Zach, but some of that is, okay, well, well, we had some struggling spots on our interior. So, I mean, Winnipeg was might have been the best. Montreal's uh, run, I mean, run blocking was amazing last year. But was anybody great? Like Hamilton, okay, well, they had... Well, they had to flip Sirocco in the middle, and Chris Van Zyl was still at tackle, but they really struggled at finding that left tackle to go with them. Toronto, oof. Calgary had some struggles. They have to work their way through. Edmonton, yikes. They had six tackles to start the season, and, I if, and all, all but one, I think, uh, didn't play. I wonder if any of that had to do with like the year off. How come these offensive lines are just, you know, they're crumbling like cookies in your hand on yeah. a, on a Wednesday night, you know? So It was it was one of the real surprises of that season. So the Riders I'm 100% with you. The Riders need to improve along the offensive line in their protection. A lot of teams did and you just haven't seen a lot of offensive linemen moving. Mm-hmm. Uh Chris Jones traded for Tony Washington, okay? Um, Stanley Bryant's back. Yeah, in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, of course, got its dudes back, except for the one they lose Dejarly to the NFL. But yeah, not a lot of offensive linemen were were on the market or available to be moved. Uh, NFL cuts, as Jeff suggests, very well could be in play. Uh, defensive line, ze- I have zero concerns about the ends. I may ha- tackles going to be different, right? Because you know I'm I'm number two in the Micah Johnson fan club mm-hmm. for number two. Yes, and. So, he gone. How about Freddie Bishop? Is he going to be? Ba- is he wanting to play some football again? Like free agent Freddie Bishop, of course, one of the Achilles four from two days before camp. Oh man, what what are his possibilities? We haven't heard much at all of of Freddie, but the Riders re-signed Larry Dean. Yeah, if they've seen something similar from Freddie Bishop, are you? That said, you're in a real good spot at end, right? Like AC Leonard's a big salary because he's a borderline defensive player of the year in the West. On the other side, you have three guys on you know lower contracts, even with Woodard gone, that you go, oh, yeah, actually, they really produced. And there's no reason that Tim Williams couldn't be Jonathan Woodard next year and get 10 sacks. Yeah. So I think, I think that's one of the ones when you're very clearly working on a cap situation, as the riders must be, with the guys they've let go and the guys they've kept. I think you want to squeeze out the value of a minimum salary guy as best you can Yeah. and not, uh, not necessarily go to market for – Jagarrett Davis, who ended up in Toronto, stuff like that. So Jeff uh, weighing in with four areas of concern on the riders, and all of them, I think, uh, I think justified. Just very, very happy with linebackers. Pretty sure we're all happy with. I think we all like the linebacker cores. Maybe the best starting three in the Canadian Football League. Where was his concerns? Uh, defensive back, offensive line, running back, running back, and D line. D line. Yeah. So I, yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Out of out of those, my true concerns probably lie with the defensive backs, and I think the I think the D line will be okay. Um, I think the o, yeah the O line is the other and not uh, yeah so and you know, DBs and O offensive line yeah you know me and running back so they'll find something and it'll and Morrow's awesome like, Morrow's awesome yeah Terrell Janna uh, not announcing his retirement but Farhan Lalji reporting that the uh, soon to be was to be second year Saskatchewan Roughrider. Retiring, they signed wide receiver Xavier Yubosi, who was going to be with them uh, after 2019, but did not come up for 2021. He's back and looking for a shot in 2022. And Riders-related news, told you about this a couple days ago when Danny Austin reported it, made official today by the Calgary Stampeders, Jordan Williams-Lambert to the Calgary Stampeders. You do not need any more receivers out there in Cowtown, but... 
I'm happy for JWL that he that he landed a spot, but we're talking Kamar Jordan, Reggie Bagleton, what else they got? You know? Yeah, Jordan Williams Lambert, who he's gonna fit at Good one of the, them, I guess, though. He's gonna fit at one of the slot back spots. So yeah, if if Jay Will is your third that's a pretty good receiving core. Calgary feels pretty good about where they're heading. Not with as that. good as ours, though. Not as good as ours. Well, and just with not knowing, not being 100% on why Jordan Williams Lambert uh, left the Riders and didn't return, right? Uh, Coach Dickinson had said in October he's having a wrist, his wrist taken care of and he's going to do it at home. But then he was on non football related on the injury list back then. You go. Are those are those the same thing? Is there yeah. something else happening? It makes you why wonder. all the and, and that was just a bad luck season for Jordan Williams Lambert. It was his ankle, and then weirdly cuts his hand just hustling, making a hustle practice play, cuts his hand, and that keeps him out. And we got to see more of Paul McRoberts. It was it was a rough season for Jay Will. Wishing them the best in Calgary. Not so much the best when they play Saskatchewan, obviously. Yeah, no, no. But rooting, lots of drop passes when he's at Mosaic. Yeah, yeah, o- lots overthrows. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh, that's uh, that's what we're looking for. Uh, Vincent Regina just spelling out the offensive line so far with the uh, John Armstrong and Logan Bandy and Tommy Champion and the uh, the guys. We will be watching as uh, as they hit up camp coming up. Gosh, what is it? Three months from yesterday, I think. Camp's it's coming open. up right away, man. Fifteenth, my goodness! It's six fifteen. More coming inside the cage. On a Wednesday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All the guests of the show appeared on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time. Door to Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Farhan Lalji, 430. Alan Mitchell, low tide. Talking hockey at 505. And Ian McMillan of Bet Sided. All available on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. Less than four hours from now. Oh, man. Gold medal game gets underway. Canada versus the U.S. The sixth time these two teams will have met in the gold medal game at the Olympics. I can't wait. It's going to be a good one. And I think Canada beat the States 4-2 to two in uh, this year's round robin, or was it pre-tournament? I know I think the state, uh, Canada beat the States earlier in the tournament so yeah take that confidence with you and uh yeah 10 10 p.m make sure to set your alarm if you like to have your nighttime nap like i do right. you know oh in, in I studio here sometimes nap. when i when the <laughs> yeah i love my nighttime nap. natalie spooner from uh, the canadian team about playing america quote every time we go against them we want to make a statement and show them they don't belong on the ice with us <laughs> boom <laughs> now Obviously, That's they pretty... belong on the ice yeah. with Canada. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, they were the gold medalists in 2018. But hey, we want, I mean, that's kind of like, hey, we want to embarrass them. We want to club them into the dirt. We want to beat them badly every time we play oh, them. Oh, yeah. Arash Madani talked about it yesterday on the cage. Like this, this rivalry between Canada and the States for women's hockey. Yeah. It's, uh, I still think it's a bit underrated. Like, I think, I, I don't think it gets enough love. 
as far as when you're talking like all-time rivalries. And I'm, I'm glad that Arash Madani puts it like in a category of the others that he said yesterday because uh, w- once these two clubs get going in like an Olympic gold medal game, man, like there's not there's not much better that you can see for the Olympics. Like it's going to be the most watched uh, Olympic broadcast programming. Probably by a for, real large margin would yeah. be my bet. Yeah, absolutely. So, like it's m- must see. Like get your popcorn ready, pop your kernels, get the butter out. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna be good. What's left that could be close? Like the Gushu in the men's final of curling, Jones in the women's final. Definitely not the men's curling? hockey final. No. No, because Slovakia versus Sweden. Who, who cares? Yeah. Or whatever, whatever that one's gonna be. Um, like bobsleigh still to come. The figure skating uh, on the women's side is done. Is yeah. Oh, no, this one's gonna done? take the cake tonight. This is like ah, this is like the main event. You know, this should be like on like the last day of the Olympics because after this game, I kind of feel like yes, we still have Jay Dearborn and bobsledding and all that to look forward to, but this kind of just seems like the the peak of the Olympics. And after this, it's kind of like, this yeah. is just Zinger's words. But after this, I'm going to be like, meh, you know. Like, tune yeah. back in uh, the 19th and 20th for Jay Dearborn. Exactly. Like, like I mentioned, like yeah, yeah. that that's still going to be fun to watch. We're, we're done on the men's hockey side. So Adam Cracknell and uh, the former Regina Pat, uh, gosh, name slip, uh, Jordan Wheel, excuse me, are both done on the men's hockey side. Yeah. Uh, Mark McMorris finished sixth. So he goes away with a bronze medal from his two events. Emily Clark, obviously still alive in the women's hockey gold medal game. Got so young and so many medal opportunities. For yeah. Her. That's, and I, I half joked about it yesterday, which was not really at all joking. Uh, when we talked to Colton flash, like that guy's going to his sixth briar and he, he'll turn 31 later this month, but he's 30, <laughs> six briars. Emily Clark in her mid twenties, two Olympics. That's craziness. Have two Olympic medals, silver or better. Amazing. Emily Clark, I still think she's going to score a goal tonight. I feel it in my bones. Whether it's going to be the game winner or what, but Zinger always says this kind of stuff when he when he's a fan of someone. He's like, yeah, they're going to do really great tonight. But I do think I think it's going to be a great game. I'm going to predict a four to three final for the Canadians. Oh, you can mark it down. Scoring, eh? Yeah, four three okay. final. And uh, Emily Clark will score the second goal for Canada. Okay. Yeah. So. I know who's scoring the fourth goal though. Marie Philippe. Man alive! Just just pulling it, pulling out. Uh, just going back over who were the gold medalists in women's hockey in the last Olymp- in the last few Olympics. It was the U.S., Canada, 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 and the U.S. back in 1998. Marie Philippe Poulin. This will be her fourth gold medal game. She scored once in 2018, scored twice in a 3-2 win in 2014, and scored twice in a 2-0 win in 2014. Or 2010, excuse me. Yeah. Scored both goals. Well. She might be the clutchiest clutch who ever clutched. Yes. On the hockey side. She is Dr. Clutchy Clutch. What was the big goal? Was that the World Championships, that goal last year yeah. that I'm thinking of? I think you're right. I think that's yeah. it. Man, and just the the shot that she has, you know what I mean? It's not, it's, you know, I just can't wait for this game tonight, DT. The more that we talk about it, the more I want to settle in and just put it up on the TV in here and just uh, 
if anyone's walking downtown here, you know, come on in. Let's watch the game together. Let's have a party tonight. 12th and Rose, just push your nose <laughs> against the glass. Watch them hockey with Zinger at Zinger at night on 620 CK. RM. Uh, the LA Rams had their parade for winning the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald went shirtless. He was feeling his his vibe. Yeah. And then uh, the mediator or whoever, the interviewer guy, asked Aaron Donald, so uh, Sean McVay was wondering if you're coming back next year. And then Aaron Donald, I don't even think he answered it. He just started giggling and just like... Yeah, it was quite the show it looked like. Uh, Matthew Stafford was smoking a cigar. He was... You know, stole that from Joe. He Burrow. was trying to be cool like Joe Burrow. Come on, but uh, yeah, it looked like a good time for those for those uh, fellas today. Jealous, Spina. Yeah, Packer fan. But. There were not as many people in attendance for the Super Bowl parade as I thought there might be. Do they not like the, the guarantee, Lake, yeah. guarantee you if that Super Bowl parade was in St. Louis, the streets would be absolutely yeah. filled. I think if the Lakers won another title or the Dodgers won a title, like I feel like those crowds would be packed. But is there? Are they not in love with the Rams? Yeah, just they're, they're fresh and new again. You know, they left for forever and now they're back. It's kind of like, you know, I feel like I, I don't know where the people sit in LA when it comes to them being either Charger fans or Rams fans. I don't know how you pick or choose between those if you were a neutral to begin with. Well, neither team is like both teams came to LA recently, right? Like yeah. the Chargers have been there. Actually, I don't know who's been there longer, but the, the Chargers played in that soccer stadium and eventually got their yeah. their own. The Rams have the uh, the beautiful stadium that they play out of now, SoFi. I don't know, is it is it cuz they're not really LA? Is that the thing? Are they is LA just pining for the Raiders forever? Yeah. Even though they're two towns away now <laughs> in in Las Vegas. It just it caught me off guard. This is a Super Bowl and I feel like there were almost more people welcoming back the Cincinnati bus after the game on, on Sunday see, night Monday see, morning. You see that video of them returning to Cincinnati? Like the whole city was there to yeah. greet to greet them, it was like more people than the Super Bowl parade for crying out loud. Yeah, I I, I caught it from the uh, I I don't remember who it was, but his, his persona is apparently I'm the arrogant jerk on Twitter. Wow, can't believe you're cheering for losers. I'm like, you went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What have you ever done? And that was awesome to see, like th- those fans greeting the Bengals back like that, just sh- spreading the love and stuff. Like, right? It got me a little bit emotional because that's awesome. Yeah. Like, and like Joe Burrow was like showing his respects. He was going up to the, like, uh, up to the gates and like walking by the fans and stuff. And like, uh, the Bengals players had their phones out. They were filming it and like, they were just taking it in. Like they were getting treated like they, like they won the game. And I, I and I like that. They, you know, when you're a fan of a team, like the, the players needed that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always caught off guard when adult men hold on to axioms that we had as kids. Like, well, second place is the first loser. Oh. Go to hell. But that's <laughs> go, go away. <laughs> like one team wins the Super Bowl every year. 31 teams are not failed. The Cincinnati Bengals are hardly failures this year. Like that's that. Like, what do you want them to do? People to go up, you know, to the airport and throw manure on them, like Paul McCallum style yeah. on the front lawn? Like, yeah. no. Like, like it, those were cool when you were 12. Like, hey, oh, by the way, if you shake it more than three times, you're playing with it. Like, we, we let that <laughs> stuff go in our childhood. Yeah. Let's just acknowledge that great things. You know, sometimes you don't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> sometimes you don't win a sometimes Super Bowl. Sometimes <laughs> you don't win the Super Bowl. Sometimes you, sometimes even Tom Brady didn't win the Super Bowl. Can you believe there were years in which Tom Brady did not win the Super Bowl? And come on, like the 
Bengals probably won't be back to the Super Bowl. Like, this was their first time in the Super Bowl since January of 1989, this game. Yeah. On Sunday. So, like, who's to say that they will ever get back there in the next couple? Like, they probably won't. So let the fans be happy that their team are AFC champions. Okay? Just, come on. If the Riders go to the Grey Cup in 2022 and end up on the on the back end of an overtime loss to say it's the Hamilton Tiger Cats, are we going to be like, oh, you guys are awful? No. No! We're like, oh my gosh, we were so close. I can't wait for next year. Yep. And that's the feeling that was in Cincinnati today. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, a whole lot of people were at that greeting for the Bengals and compared to, like, that parade there in L.A., it was looking kind of bleak. It was pretty surprising. Tomorrow is Thursday. That means fine tailored suits with Glenn Suter, Marshall Ferguson, We'll break down some CFL for us, Arashma Danny as well. We'll talk curling. We'll have the results of the women's hockey game to go over. The 4-2 win, 4-3 win. 4-3, yep. 4-3 Canadian win that Zinger predicts, uh, and so much more. Thanks so much for being with us. Sports Cage On Demand for the Canadian Brewhouse. Stick around. Zinger at Night is next.